Welcome to Nancy's Next Chapter, a podcast about handling the big changes in life with grace and humor and family. I am Leslie Wake Webster, and today I am in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Nancy Dodson Wake, and I live in a new address now in Rhode Island, in Portsmouth, Rhode Island. I moved about one mile closer to the town of Portsmouth very recently. And of course, I'm still at that stage where my older daughter, Leslie's sister, on the last day before the house closing was, she said, Mom, we don't have time to label anymore. She just was throwing things into boxes. (laughs) And we transported them to the new house. Of course, I'm still, I'll find that I need something and it's unending to try and find it. So I'm hoping by the end of this month, I realize that's only four days away, I will have been able to unpack everything and find a place for it. So that's where I am. I think that is ambitious, and I think you can achieve it, Mom. You are very focused when you get in an organizational kick. That's true. (laughs) I have forgotten that, yes, I do have that reputation. So, (laughs) Well, and prior to the podcast, you gave me a great tour on Zoom of your new cottage, and it is lovely and very New Englandy with a, you know, formal front living room to receive your guests. And uh, then uh, just a lot of cozy rooms and a beautiful view of the bay and really nice. Leslie, I have to add this also. We have had temperatures down in the upper 40s at night. Oh, so we are fall arrived and said, I am here and I want you to know it. Oh, gosh. Well, I do miss leaves turning colors and that crisp feel in the air. Meanwhile, last week in Los Angeles, everyone was celebrating how cool it was when it dipped into the low 80s. (laughs) (laughs) People had on sweaters because it had been 109 a couple weeks ago. Well, Leslie, at, at church this morning, our pastor his mother, who lives in Texas, was there, and I had a chance to chat with her, and I said, I hope you're enjoying this cooler weather. Has Texas started to cool off? And she said, no, we're still in the hundreds. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can relate to that. Well, speaking of pastors, I was thinking that perhaps our trip down memory lane today could be a very interesting experience that you had a few years ago which was being involved in the search for a new pastor at your church, because I think that's a pretty unusual thing to do. And you had an unusual group of people working with you. So I wondered if you could set the scene and talk about your experience on the pastor. What was it? The pastor nominating committee, the pastor search committee. I guess both of those terms would be appropriate. We were charged by the congregation to identify and interview and then recommend a new pastor for our congregation. And we had been very fortunate in the time immediately prior to his departure to have a young, community-minded, outgoing pastor with a young Mm. family. So I think it's always harder when you're 
in a position to succeed someone who has been very well loved and successful with your congregation. Yes. So yes. we knew it was not going to be an easy job. But there were five of us on this search committee. And I do not think I have ever had as good an experience as I did with this committee. I was the oldest, and then there was someone in their 50s, another person in his 40s, and then there was our youth pastor served on the committee. He was in his 30s, and then we had an 18-year-old. Wow, so you had... We uh, had all of the different ages represented, and I had never appreciated, like I did after serving on this committee, how varied your perspective would be depending on your age and your life uh experiences. And it was a real eye-opener. Yeah, so you had Gen Z, Millennial, Gen X baby boomer, and then you are technically part of the silent generation, correct? Yes. That's remarkable. Yes. So you really had all the generations covered. Fortunately, we had two technically adequate people on the, so. Meaning they were good with technology? Yes. And that's what our youth minister was. So if, if we needed help doing something or connecting with someone, he was usually able to get us through that successfully. And we ended up hiring what was just, I thought, ideal for our congregation. And we all just nearly fell down on our knees when we asked him if he would consider us. And he said, yes, he wanted to come to our little Mm -hmm. congregation. And we were a congregation of maybe 120 uh, Mm -hmm. in rural Kentucky, and the closest big city to us was Lexington, Kentucky, and the community that we lived in had a population of maybe 25,000, and mostly mostly what I would describe as Southern Baptist churches, but this was a young man. He had just, in fact, we held his ordination service after he accepted our invitation to come, which was lovely. So he was fresh out of seminary then? He was fresh out of seminary, yes. And he and his wife were expecting their first child in August of that same year. So by the time he came and was ordained, that baby had been born. They had this little girl and There were so many people in our congregation that were so excited. Here was a new life. And it was like everybody Uh, wanted to adopt adopt this family. I'm sure his wife, Megan, probably threw up her hands in despair because she got far more advice than she. (laughs) Well, doesn't every new mother. Yes. This little girl is now, I believe four, maybe five years old. And what her mother has done is every month, no fail, we get an update on what she's doing. It's just lovely. But for our congregation, it was just like 
the sun and the moon and the stars all came together at the right time. And I don't know how many other invitations he considered, but he was just right for our congregation. Oh, well, and I remember during the search process, there were several times that you found a candidate who you thought might be a good fit and then circumstances prevented that from happening. Yeah. And uh, occasionally there were two or three candidates that we were interested in who were just basically interested in whether they could improve financially their current situation. Mm. And rural Kentucky is not the place where you're going to improve your financial circumstances. Even no, probably not. It was such a positive experience for me, particularly because I had never worked that closely. And when I say closely, we met at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, depending on what was going on. It was a favorite memory of mine now, serving on that committee. I hope I don't have to do it again, but uh, (laughs) I I would go into such an experience having some knowledge of at least in one part of the world. I negotiated this process successfully. And of course, what I'm reading and hearing today is that church membership is almost non-existent in the younger generations. I mean, they just, there's nothing left that appeals to Mm, them. mm -hmm. So, Well, are you finding that to be true? I know now uh, you sometimes go into Providence for church to the first Baptist, is it the very first Baptist church in America, correct? Baptist church in America, in Providence, that Roger Williams gathered in 1638. Oh, my gosh. He was expelled from Massachusetts because he felt so strongly that there there should be separation of state and church. And at that time, of course, we were a colony of England, which was Anglican. Yes. I'm trying to think. And had had Church of England, yes. And Rhode Island, we just had an adult forum this morning, which is like a Sunday school class. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the guy that is conducting this is a former Brown University professor, and he has written a book about the First Baptist Church in America and how it was founded and all of the factors that went into play before. And the original building is no longer there, but the first building that was after that is still there. And it's, it looks like a meeting house. It doesn't. Yes, look, it does. It had no stained glass windows. I can't think how old the chandelier and the sanctuary is, but it is lovely. And you, I just always feel like, Oh my gosh. This is a piece of history. And sometimes, I don't know if I'm expecting Roger Williams to float down from the balcony one day. (laughs) The other very appealing aspect of this church is the minister of music is a a former concert performer. And he Mm. is not only outstanding on piano, but on pipe organ. and 
So every Sunday is like a concert, just listening to him play. So. Oh, how lovely. Yes, it is absolutely lovely. So. Well, uh, I remember I've been inside that church because when we visited one Christmas, we, we went for Christmas Eve services and I remember Conley and I had a talk with all the boys because, you know, neither of us has raised our boys religious. You know, we had a talk and explained, listen, this is very important to grandma and papa to help them stay focused. I made them bingo cards of things that might happen during the church service. So it was things like everyone stands, everyone sits, somebody's phone goes off, you sing joy to the world, a baby cries, a candle is lit. And I think that helped them stay focused. Well, a I remember Noble, the first time he went, was how old? Maybe four years oh, old? Oh, really? Really little. Your dad just, he was not clued in. He was so excited to have you and Conley and your families there, all there together. Yes. That he just lost track of the fact that here was a little boy that had no clue where he was or why he was there, actually. Yes. And you haven't mentioned that your dad had one of these loud voices. <laughs> yes. Everybody would turn and look at him when he sang. So <laughs> I remember that so clearly from every church service I ever attended with him. If I wasn't standing next to him, I could tell exactly where he was in the church because of how loud he was. And if I was standing next to him, it was like someone had a megaphone. He had such a booming voice. And I do remember Noble after that Christmas Eve service complaining that uh, he was right next to Papa and Papa was so loud in his ear. (laughs) Yes. Well, Mom, other than unpacking, what's going on this week in Common Fence Point? Anything you're looking forward to? Actually, I think this is going to be a calmer week um, in the past several. And then, of course, once we start into October, there will be new activities and new adjustments to make and new opportunities for volunteering, as Conway calls it. Which means I really need you to help me out with this. Yes. (laughs) There's a term I've heard, which is um, when someone volunteers you for something, it is said you are being voluntold what to do. Oh, I like that word, voluntold what to do. Voluntold, yes. What to do. (laughs) That's very appropriate, isn't it? I have to remember that. For you and Conley, I think it might be. Well, I, I'm just amazed. Uh, I don't know how she gets anything done besides this hall. And now, of course, they're working on the 100th anniversary speakeasy party for the hall. And yeah. it seems like every week there's some new detail that gets added to the mix. Yes, but how exciting. A hundred years. That's really something to celebrate. Thanks for listening to Nancy's Next Chapter. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at nancywakepodcast at gmail.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-W-A-K-E podcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Podigy for help with all of our audio editing. Our theme music is Beautiful Dreamer by Stephen Foster, played by Nancy Wake. <laughs>